Hello everybody, I'm uh, Derek Arden and welcome to Monday Night Live. Tonight we've got another fantastic session with Tracy Hooper. I've invited Tracy back to join us. Tracy was with us in February of this year and gave us a fantastic session. Tracy's in uh, Portland, Oregon in the USA, exactly 4,862 miles away from where I am in Guildford. Uh, welcome Tracy, thanks very much indeed for coming back and joining us. My great pleasure to be back and to see everyone here. Thank you for coming, everybody. Now, Tracy's asked me, Tracy's going to do a session on words to lose and words to use. This is really important for all of us because we do tend to use slang words. We do tend to use words that don't empower us and we all get caught out. And a couple of my mentors have really pointed out to me how I've lost some initiative by not using the right language and the people that we work with will do the same when they're giving presentations um, and therefore we've got a responsibility to pass as much of this vital information on to as many people as possible. I'm going to read Tracy's introduction. Uh, she's asked me to do that and this is what she would do if she was doing a keynote, uh, keynote speech on stage. Um, words of power. Are you choosing your words wisely are you confident when you're talking in meetings that people are listening? Or are they checking text, answering emails, ordering takeaways from their favorite pub or wine bar? Tracy's back with us today to lead a conversation about recognizing and practicing the power of words. In this conversation, we will learn words to lose that sound hesitant or ineffective and replace them with words to use that have impact, strength, and influence our ability to be heard by co-workers, clients, friends, and other people in our lives. Welcome, Tracy. Thank you very much, Derek. Tracy, now do you want me to read these three questions out? Let's start off with the question. Let's start off with question number one, because I bet this is on everyone's mind. Okay, I understand. Question number one is, I understand you have some lists for us. I do indeed have lists. Uh, I've, I've often said that many people wake up in the morning and put together their to-do list. And I wake up in the morning and think of words to use or words to lose and to add those to the list I've already made or to create new ones. Whoa, there we go. Keep talking while I repair the damage. All right, so that's, that's really my motivation is what are the words that we're using in our language that make us sound hesitant or unsure. So I've come up with these lists and the lists really come from my experience in the world and your experience in the world. First of all, my background is a TV news reporter, as you know, and one of the hallmarks of being a good reporter is to be a keen observer and to be a good listener. And don't you think those two qualities really are appropriate for everyone's career, to be a keen observer and to be a good listener. And, and part of being a keen observer is watching how people carry themselves, how they present themselves, how they hold themselves in meetings. And one of the hallmarks of confidence is using words that are becoming of you, that are worthy of you. And then the listening part is a matter of listening to patterns in the world. I listen to what I hear and see on social media, what 
am I seeing in reading in newspapers and magazines, what I'm hearing on podcasts. I even like to hear sports commentators. What kind of language, what kind of phrases are they using? And then I think about the difference between language among different generations. So millennials speak differently than baby boomers, than Gen Zers, than Gen X, different language by different generations. I also listen for language patterns with leaders and influencers in business, in science, in technology. And finally, I listen to my clients. What are my clients saying? If they say something to me like, I'm interrupted all the time. I don't feel like people are taking me seriously. I can't seem to land the sale. I've been overlooked for that promotion. Then I begin to think, how are they presenting themselves both physically? How do they carry themselves in the room? And then what words do they what words do they use to express themselves? Because if we, if we don't get that nonverbal feedback where somebody is nodding their head and leaning in and saying, hmm, that's interesting. If we're not getting that kind of feedback, then it begins to chip away at our confidence. That's how I have come up with these various lists. That's absolutely fantastic. Yeah. And I was just thinking of Patricia Fripp, who's your mentor and my mentor. She always sits in the front of the audience and she always nods support. And isn't it wonderful when you see someone in the audience that nods support? Because sometimes you can be up there on stage thinking you've got the imposter syndrome and you're the only person in the world. Uh, uh, it's a funny feeling. Now, tell exactly. me, how were, those, how were those lists developed? Well, it was from looking at these language patterns and right. so forth. But the... But the really the next interesting concept is what influences our language? Why do we speak the way we do? And there are three answers to that. Number one, we're influenced by habit. If we speak a certain way and we don't get feedback about it, then we continue to speak that way. We feel comfortable, we carry on. Number two, we're influenced by the culture. And I know you all would agree with this. We, if we hear it, we say it. We want to fit in. We want to belong. And that's no different than the cars we buy, the hairstyles we have, the clothes we wear. We are influenced by our culture. But I believe the most important influencer on our word choice comes from another mentor of mine whose name is Linda Bryce. And Linda is a voice coach. She works with speakers all over the world, singers and speakers. And by the way, you all, we are all speakers. We are all public speakers. Whether we're speaking with one other person or whether we're speaking to a group of a hundred, unless we are in our offices writing all day and not having any contact with anybody else, we are public speakers. And Linda Bryce says this and I'll quote her. And this is about what influences our word choice. She says, our biggest fear is that we will be shamed humiliated or banished from the crowd if we speak up. So we freeze and cannot access our thoughts. And we literally stop breathing. And while we stand there madly trying to gather our ideas, we use various words to mask our anxiety. And those are the words that I'll talk about today. How does that sound, Derek Harden? That sounds great, Tracy Hooper. Thank you very much. If we're going to mirror each other's surname and, uh, and their first names, then let's do it. Let's get into some of that uh, mirroring and matching. Uh, and I nearly said stuff, because stuff <laughs> is really a word to lose. Oh, yes, it is. And that brings me right to my first list, 
Fantastic. And the first list are fillers. We all know those fillers. Uh, um, like, you know, and stuff. Okay, stuff is rubbish. Stuff is not a word that would define what we're looking for. Instead, you could say, uh, I know my material instead of I know my stuff. I know my content. I'm confident of the data instead of the stuff. We have a lot of stuff to cover. Or you could say, we have a lot of items on the agenda. Stuff is one of those filler words that we don't think about. And listen to newscasters. And you'll be astonished at the fact that they use many of these words. Another one of those filler words uh, is again and again and again. I was listening to a, a, news con, a newscaster during the elections last year, and he was showing the map of the U.S. and what states were in what position. And he said, and again, and again. And I thought, did his producer not tell him to stop using that word? It's a filler word. He was, un he was uh, under a, a deadline. He had you know, two minutes to give his presentation and he kept using that phrase over and over again. Another filler word, and this comes directly from Patricia Fripp, one of our goddesses in the speaking industry, the word things. How often do you say, oh, the thing is, the thing I'm most concerned about, we need to focus on every little thing. Patricia Fripp says, if it weren't a thing, what would it be? Would it be an idea? Would it be a goal? Would it be a challenge? Instead of saying the thing is, you could say the goal is, the thing I'm most concerned about, or the issue I'm most concerned about, we need to focus on every little thing. We need to focus on every detail. It's stronger. It, these are words that are worthy of you. So one of my big takeaways is to, is to record yourself. And I'll tell you how I came up with this. Another filler word is so. We use it as a transition. It's a weak word. And, and, and it's, it's one of my weak words. I have a weak word from every category I'll give you. So I'm going to ask you all to keep me mindful of this. I was getting ready to be on a talk show here in Portland. And about a week ahead of time, I started practicing, of course, and I take my cell phone and I put it on the shelf and I press record and I call it a shelfie. And in the course of a six minute mock interview, because I'd spoken with the producer and we talked about the theme and then I had sent them a list of questions and then I started practicing. And in the course of a six minute mock interview between my cell phone and me, I used the word so 13 times. Wow. And I had no idea, of course, until I heard the recording, the playback. And that would be one of my takeaways for you all this morning is ask a friend or a colleague if you can record your conversation and, and tell people that you want to work on your communication skills, that you wanna beef up your language. And in the beginning, people will think that's odd and they will, perhaps they'll acquiesce, but ultimately they'll be curious about what their words to lose are and what they can replace them with. And so I would like to ask Tim Durkin to count the number of so's that I use for the rest of this presentation. <laughs> Do you think you'll be, I, will you be able to keep up? That's what I'm wondering. 
<laughs> it's very I'll do my best. Yeah, I'm just going to chip in here. Is chipping in all right? No, that's not all right. Is it chipping in? That's oh, please do. That's great. That's a great expression. And that's the other thing. I, that's the other thing. That's the other idea I want to promote today. These are words that you don't need to lose forever. It's not that you'll never say them again. I want you to be mindful of using words strategically and use them when they when they matter. It's very interesting, Tracy, because when I'm out, I now become conscious of some of these words, but I've often said them and then I become conscious of them. I want to give myself a little slap, but no one I'm talking to knows what I'm talking about. So I couldn't really do that without them thinking I'm crazy. I mean, stuff was promoted by the NLP as Bandler and Grindler, and they use them all the time and people, people caught them. Um, and it's very difficult to get uh, rid of. I thought it was only a British thing, actually. And then I came over to the US and found everybody was using the word stuff. Thing I don't think so obvious. Um, I write with a lot of so's in it. And uh, my wife crosses them out before I send my newsletter out, <laughs> usually. And then I remember saying to Patricia, a shed load of things or a boatload of things. And, uh, you know, shed load, boatload. So we've all got these words. And, and if just as some of you are thinking, well, I'm too old to change. No, you're not. And also you're influencing other people younger than you. So we should be uh, eliminating these. This is fantastic, uh, Tracy. Should we, um, should we keep going? Shelf Let's is- keep going. I was just <laughs> gonna mention the Otter app because I'm, I'm surprised. Sometimes I play back on Otter these recordings and, um, and um, it prints it out. It puts it into word form. And then, then you see these R's and R's and uh, they, really are quite, uh, they really are quite scary. But It's uh, painful it's <laughs> because recordings don't lie. I know, I know, it's really difficult. Back okay, to let's you, move on to Hedges. Back, yeah, back to you. Okay. Hedges, hedges are great. Great in terms of it's a very interesting list. Hedges are words that we that linguists tell us are those small, sneaky add-on words that make us sound as if we are hedging. We don't want to come on too strong. We don't want to be too aggressive. So we hedge. A word, a hedge word would be just. I just have a quick question. I'm just circling back. I'm just a little concerned about. Can anyone think of a way that you or someone you know, a friend, uses the word just too often? I was just wondering about that. I was just wondering about that. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And, and hedges don't make us sound confident. They make us sound hesitant. And I think it's particularly common in the US. I'm not sure about the UK, but I hear people using it a lot. Here's an example. I, my husband, Henry, and I used to live two blocks away from our gym, which was a great convenience, but also made us feel guilty when we didn't go. We used to go in the morning. It was dark in the winter, of course. And one time I went by myself and I was coming out of the gym and I had to cross a four lane street, but there was a light there, quite safe. I got to the other side of the street and I hear this voice, hello, hello. And I said, Hi, and, and she, this person said to me, you're all dressed in black and it's dark and it's really hard to see you. So I would recommend that you wear one of those reflector vests. And I said, thank you very much. I absolutely will do that. Thank you. And then they said, 
just saying. And I thought, just saying? That person was trying to soften her message. She didn't need to do that. Every, every time since then, I did this morning, when I go out and walk in the dark, I wear a vest. That woman potentially saved my life because I was cavalier about not wearing a reflector vest. We don't need to soften our words, just. Another one of those hedges, kind of, sort of. I'm sort of thinking about, I'm kind of wondering, it's a softener, a little bit, almost. How often have we heard somebody say, I almost think we should go in a different direction. Should we or shouldn't we? I think we should go in a different direction. I'm almost wondering, I almost think, unnecessary word, maybe. Sometimes we need to say maybe, of course, I guess. Sometimes we need to say I guess. How many times can we take that out? And that is the second takeaway is to practice the power of pause. Instead of saying, maybe we should do this, you could say, I have an idea, let's try this. It's stronger, it's losing that hedge word. Here's another hedge word, which I believe is used more often than not. Pretty. I'm, I'm a pretty good public speaker. I'm, I'm pretty prepared for this presentation. I'm pretty confident at mental math or whatever is your specialty. Pretty is a softener, it's a hedge. And this is going to be for you all, it's going to be like buying a red car. You know, when you buy a red car and that all you do are see all the red cars on the road, <laughs> that's what it's gonna be like when you begin to hear these words, hedges and, and fillers. Practice the power of pause. I am, I'm prepared for this presentation. I'm, I'm a good public speaker, whatever is your specialty. Take out that word, and this is another technique. Practice losing one word every, every 30 days. I had a client who said to me, who, whose words to lose were, you know, it made her crazy. She said it all the time. And we were having a, a session one day, and she said, you know, and she, oh, and she wrote it down. And then she said it again, oh, and she wrote it down. And I finally said to her, you don't need to focus on what you don't want to say. Be mindful of it. Pause and then move on. I believe if we if we focus too much on what we don't want to say, then we get hung up on whether that's a good word or not a good word. What are you thinking, Derek? I'm thinking that my head is being scrambled by all these words that I use. And I think looking at the gallery view, so a lot of other people. And we're almost coming to the end of uh, session one, Tracy. And I know that we haven't got a natural break for that, but uh, Alex has put, um, as Alex always does, a comment in the, uh, in the box, which I think we should have a look at. Um, he suggests that the word stuff is context sensitive. A phrase sometimes used in the UK is good stuff, which means yes. well done. Although I think, the, I think it still applies that it's, it's still stuff. Well, that's, that's the point. If it's common to use it in that expression, use it. That's fine. Don't overuse it in areas where it doesn't have impact, when you can use a better word. 
in, in the interest of time, let's move on to disclaimers because I want you to know it's not just words we need to lose or be conscious of, but how do we replace them with words to use that sound more strategic? A disclaimer would be this. Correct me if I'm wrong. You've been doing this a lot longer than I have. What do I know? I could be overthinking this. You know, I, I, people go on and on. I heard somebody say this yesterday on a podcast. Let me know if what I'm about to say is way off base. Now, why would we want to preempt a word, a, a phrase that we're a, a thought that we were going to have with that kind of disclaimer? I know we, many times people use disclaimers to seem humble or modest. They don't want to come on too strong, but they dampen our voice. So instead of saying, correct me if I'm wrong, you could say to someone, let me know if I heard this correctly. Instead of saying, oh, you've been doing this a lot longer. Well, that could be true, but you may have a fresh perspective. So you could say, in my experience, from my perspective, uh, if someone says, oh, I could be totally overthinking this, that's called th the fact that everybody's brain operates differently. You could say, here's my perspective. <sighs> what do I know? Or I, I could be way overthinking this, or this, this is just my two cents. Instead, you could say, let's dig deeper. What if we try this? Don't feel like you have to have a setup phrase for every comment you're going to make. I did hear somebody, a serious news person on a reputable news station say, this may sound like a stupid question. Why? Instead, you could say, here's my question. Now, this is a phrase that comes from my mom, who you know I adore. She's 89 years old next month. She comes to visit us in the Northwest every year, except for last year and this year because of the virus. If she, this is her setup phrase, and I love this, and I encourage you to do this, to say this. This thought is 30 seconds old. <laughs> she knows her thought is not fully formed, but she's confident enough to say it anyway. This thought is 30 seconds old. What if we tried this? And then she goes on with her idea. That's a way that you can use a setup phrase that doesn't dampen you, that doesn't, that doesn't make you sound like you don't know what you're talking about or that you're not confident. That's brilliant. Now, I use the Columbo technique uh, when negotiating, which is the dumb is smart technique. Often you do put in a uh, filler word or, or, or a disclaimer there. And, you know, I can't quite get my brain around this, Tracy, but I think what you said was you can't afford to pay my invoice uh, at the moment. So that's a, that, that is a word, but maybe used in that context. Well, say that again for me, Derek. I love this. Keep going. Well, I've been thinking about this, but it seems like or it sounds like that uh, you um, you can't afford to pay my invoice. That's Sorry. absolutely appropriate. Yes, you can say that. Pick and choose. You need to think about your audience. Think about the other person on the other side of the table. Think about the connection to that person. Is it a friend? Is it a prospect? Is it a client? And, and you need to be yourself. Again, I'm not asking people to lose these words forever. Be mindful of overusing them. Sure. No, that's brilliant. Um, Tracy, I'm going, to end the, um, I'm going to end the interview now because we're going to have a part two. And uh, I encourage everyone watching this to watch part two. There's such 
a lot of information in there from Tracy in that short 22 minutes uh, clip that I encourage you to uh, watch this again on YouTube or uh, listen to this on the uh, Negotiators podcast. Tracy Hooper, thank you so much for coming on part one. I hope you'll enjoy us, join us in part two very shortly. Thank you.